Welcome to Your Community with Dick Boost. Your Community is presented by AmeriCool Heating and Air Conditioning. So glad to have uh, Zach Duncan on Your Community this morning. Zach is the Executive Director of the Crisis Clinic. So glad you got up early this morning yeah. to be on the program. Yeah, thank you, Dick. I really appreciate it. It's just, just wonderful to get the invite, hang out for a little bit with you this morning. And you have a shirt and tie and a sweater, and you're all dressed up. Uh, this is yeah. radio, uh, Zach. You- it's radio, but I consider it my social worker uniform. You know, like military man puts on their duty vest and stuff. But for me, I put on my cardigan and my tie, and I go to work. You look really, really sharp. <laughs> Actually, you told me you are going to do a training session well, that's uh, later well. today. That's true And well. uh, this is a recorded program, so you do a lot of training sessions. First of all, tell us what the crisis clinic is. I think by now uh, almost everybody has heard of it. But what is yeah, it? Absolutely. So we've been in the community now for 50 years. You can believe that. We're a nonprofit organization. And what we do is we provide 24-hour crisis intervention services that are free of charge, anonymous and confidential, and are available 24 hours a day, 365 days per year. And through that, we deal with crisis, which sometimes involves situations that are fairly intense, situations of immediate danger, but most often involves everyday struggles that people are dealing with. Oftentimes folks without resources and without support systems that they can lean on to meet those needs that they're having, which results in these escalated crisis situations that we all deal with, right? Yeah, as you were talking, I was imagining some situations where that might be the case. Maybe you just don't know what to do. I mean, you're just kind of backed in a corner. You don't know who to call, who to talk to. There's a crisis clinic. Yeah, we really pride ourselves on not only, you know, being effective in supporting in the calls that we take, but knowing that we're available just continuously for anyone who might be in need of support, in need of resources, and oftentimes just in need of someone to listen, right? That's one of the biggest things that we see is folks who, you know, just need to be able to process something and have space held to do that. Sometimes it's just listening, I suppose. But most of the time you listen and then you kind of refer them to somebody who can actually, shall we say, make the move and actually Well, that's true, absolutely. Help them? Yeah, yeah. I would say there's there's many calls where people are having resource-related needs. A big one we see lately is housing. So, you know, a lot of people looking to get in the shelters, a lot of people looking to get into housing of their own, getting off the streets, getting out of bad situations. The other big one is behavioral health services. You know, there's simply just not enough therapists, counselors, et cetera, out there to be serving everyone who is in need of these services. And it becomes incredibly demoralizing for folks when they hear, yes, you can get an appointment, but it may be three months down the line when this person's in need now. So yes, we absolutely refer folks out and have a robust set of local knowledge that we train our volunteers with to be able to do that effectively. But we also put in the work and intervene with these callers, you know, face to face on the phones ourselves. And we're not therapists, we're not counselors, but we are robustly trained. And my belief is that if a person leads with empathy and compassion, then the rest of our training as we provide it will often come together. That connection and that empathetic need is really at the core of a lot of these calls that we take. This Your Community podcast is presented by AmeriCool Heating and Air Conditioning. We'll be right back. Is it time to have your furnace or HVAC system serviced before winter sets in? Get 10% off all fall maintenance at AmeriCool. 
AmeriCool is your local independent American standard heating and air conditioning dealer. The friendly professional team at AmeriCool has been serving Southwest Washington for the past 17 years. Call 360-273-3300 or visit AmeriCoolOnline.com today. Here comes AmeriCool with Darren you need us for your heating and air. And now we return to the Your Community Podcast. Zach Duncan is my guest on your community this morning. Zach is the executive director of the Crisis Clinic of Thurston and Mason counties, right? That's correct. Two counties. Two counties. We serve Thurston and Mason, but we take calls from anyone throughout the state. You know, we kind of have a, a no wrong door policy. We're never, ever going to turn someone away. So we're available for anyone really who calls us. But we put our efforts towards Thurston and Mason. That's our community. That's our home. That's where our volunteers are from. And we, you know, feel very passionate about, you know, providing for the needs of our community that we all share. Of course, the first crisis for me, Mr. Dummy, would be, okay, how do I call the crisis clinic? Uh, you know, they don't have telephone books anymore, really. Right, right. And, you know, <laughs> how do I find the crisis clinic? Absolutely. You know, what's your number? Well, thankfully, we're in the future now, and we actually have the first Google search. If someone were to search crisis services, crisis clinic, but our phone number is 360-586-2800. And it has been that same phone number for many, many years. Again, you can find that information online. You can find that information often if you're engaged with other local resources. They will have the ability to provide that. And again, that's 360-586-2800. 2800. And for the young people out there, we have a team line, which is 360-586-2777. Now, if anybody's like me, they forgot the numbers already. So <laughs> I like the part you said about Google crisis clinic, first number that comes up. Now, mm-hmm. in my mind, uh, you know, a crisis clinic is somebody who's going to commit suicide. Sure. Does that happen? Do people actually call the crisis clinic while they're thinking of something as horrible as that? Absolutely. They do. And that's a big reason why we're available for folks, right, is to intervene in moments where folks are in some sort of immediate danger, whether due to suicide or something else that we can assist in providing and mobilizing emergency services and and get folks that help they need in those moments to, to be empowered to live another day, right? You know, I mentioned that most of the calls we take are folks struggling with everyday crisis, right? Lack of resources, lack of supports, all these different things. But we do have that minority of calls where folks say, yes, I'm feeling suicidal. I do have plans and I might have a means and I'm a little worried that I may, you know, attempt to to kill myself. I know that's very direct language. It's language that we deal with every day. The way that we assess that is first, you know, we ask a really direct question are you thinking about suicide, right? Gets right to the bottom of that question. So we're not dancing around it, right? If we get that inkling, if our training's telling us that that may be something that's coming into this call, we wanna ask about it right away. Second, we ask about, have you ever thought about any plans? Let's us know how far someone has thought this through, right? Third is, do you have the means to follow through with those plans? Someone may have plans, but may not have the ability to carry out with those plans right now. And the fourth thing is a timeline. Are you going to carry out that plan today, right? And at each stage of that assessment, we're trying to determine that that caller is safe in the moment, that they are not at risk of attempting suicide or being in direct danger right now. 
so that our volunteers are safe, right? In those moments where we determine a caller is not safe and they need emergency services, then we're going to do whatever we need to do to plead with that caller to accept help so that we can get them the help that they need. Now that, to me, would be one of the most serious calls you've got. But hopefully most people listening right now aren't thinking of doing what you just talked about. What would be some of the most, shall we say, trivial calls you get? I mean, (laughs) somebody might be, you know, I'm having a horrible day. I just don't know what to do. What are some of the most trivial things people might call on? Well, you know, I think... Or seemingly trivial. Yeah, seemingly trivial because these are real crisis situations that these callers are experiencing, right? Right. They're just so under-resourced Not and trivial at the time. ...that they're struggling to meet what many might consider to be a small need, but for them is very large in the moment, right? You know, I've had folks call and simply ask, hey, what time is it? I have an appointment at this time, and I don't know what time it is. Really? Really, yeah. I've had that call a lot, actually. That's an easy one to answer, though. You yeah, look yeah. at your watch and say, oh, okay. It's but, an example, though. Yeah. If we don't have the tools to meet those needs, and if we're so under-supported that we're up here in escalation, then we're not able to process and think about the simple solution of where is a clock. And that's what crisis is when people experience it. It's an experience of being stuck and escalated in emotion. And what we do is we de-escalate, we tease out those emotions and those experiences, and then we get to a place with callers where then we can talk about what they want to do to move forward, right? And that's kind of the process that we undergo. And I saw your uh, referral list online, Mm -hmm. and you have the phone numbers and contact people of so many people I can't even begin to name them. So you can really help people. Now, I want to spend a little time on training. That's why I mentioned that you were kind of dressed up because you were going to do a training session. must be really hard to get volunteers who will work. you got to fill that midnight shift. you got to fill well, that true. 3 a.m. shift. And these people have to know what to do. They don't just come in and answer phones. Well, absolutely. We provide, like I said, a very robust training that spans at this point four weeks. Today, we're going to be training for just about eight hours with our current cohort of volunteers that we're bringing in. We'll train four other sessions on Fridays going the next couple of Fridays. Also have some training on shift as well with other volunteers who are more experienced to sort of shadow and have that, you know, sort of on shift experience of actually taking those calls with additional supports. And when it comes down to it, we provide about 50 hours of training before volunteers start taking those calls themselves. So so you have to get a really dedicated person who wants to help. Is it well, really difficult getting volunteers? You know, I wouldn't say it's difficult. I would say it takes a special kind of person that holds passion, that, you know, has a desire to, you know, give back in some way to the community and is free four hours a week to do a shift to support the problems of other people once a week. Once we go through training, you know, it is an obligation. It is something that people have to commit to. But we find that people who are passionate that we have in the building are, you know, more than happy to contribute with us as a part of the team to, to provide these services. Now, I have this uh, mental picture of a kind of a darkened room with somebody sitting in <laughs> front of a telephone waiting for it to ring. What does a volunteer, do they do this from home or do they, how does it work? Well, so historically, we did primarily have all of our volunteers in our building. 
you know, answering the phones in our phone room, you know, on our computers, doing everything in-house. With the pandemic having come and having experienced all that with remote work and, and everything along those lines, we had to make some adjustments. So now we do have the option for volunteers to be able to remotely conduct their shifts. And we try to be flexible based on people's schedules and what they have going on. Some people are nighttime people. Some people are morning people. You know, it's all just unique to the person. Zach, we've run out of time. Oh. We There's so much more we could cover. So let's do uh, the two most important things, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Number one, how do you get a hold of the crisis clinic if you need them? Google you it. can Google it. Our website is crisis-clinic. Org. It's the first Google search if someone searches crisis clinic, crisis services, etc. It is also 360-586-2800. And you need volunteers always. We absolutely do. Uh, we always need volunteers. We conduct four trainings a year. Like I said, we're starting our next training today, but we'll have another one here in November. Zach. Thank you for being on your community. Zach Duncan, the executive director of the Crisis Clinic. I'm Dick Post. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Dick. You've been listening to Your Community with Dick Post, presented by AmeriCool Heating and Air Conditioning. Your Community is produced by Jennifer Mathis. If your business, nonprofit, or civic organization would like to be featured on Your Community, please contact us at 360-943-9937.